Due to the mature content of this program, listeners' discretion is advised. Welcome back to The Depth of Darkness, the podcast that dives deep into all things dark and wrong in this world. We're your hosts. I'm Mandy. And I'm retired Major Hugh Jess. Coming at you. In your face. <laughs> You're like the king of fart sound effects. It's the best. <laughs> Got another one in the holster. Yeah. Big. Gross. Yeah, for lack of better terms. <laughs> so welcome back, everybody. Today we've got a very uh, disturbing, interesting, creepy, freaky episode coming cool. at you in your face. <laughs> so, judge it. Yeah, ex- excellent. Oh, sorry. Uh, that one got away. Yeah, that one squeaked out just a bit. <laughs> Today we're going to be discussing the notorious killer dubbed the eyeball killer. When we found this story online, looking through tons of lesser-known murders, this one definitely caught our eye because it's so weird, and it's very creepy when you really dive into the facts of it. So we're going to cover all of that for you, and if you guys have heard of this guy before, then awesome. Sit back, listen to something you've already heard, but hopefully we'll provide something new for you. If not, folks down in Dallas have heard of him. I'm sure they have, yes. Yeah. I don't live in Dallas, so... (laughs) <laughs> this was new for me, but it's a good one nonetheless. So not good for the people it happened to, but it's in, it's very interesting. I'll give it that. So today we're going to discuss the horrific murders committed by a man dubbed the Eyeball Killer. Now stay tuned to find out why. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. So I'm going to start off with an article taken from nydailynews.com. And it's titled, Dallas Eyeball Killer Murdered Three Women, Removed Their Eyes in Early 90s. Now, first off, that's a really horrible, horrible, grammatically errored <laughs> title to start off with. I mean, yeah. it's just a huge run-on sentence. There's like, it's not a normal title. So I wanted to throw that in there. Use proper grammar, damn it. Yeah, what's so, going on? Yeah, what the hell? Okay, so this article was written by Mara Bobson. On January 21st of 2018, uh, apparently at 4.12 a.m. So she was up early right in this bad boy. <laughs> um, and I wanted to note, this murderer, he was... Uh, <laughs> Just look at his face. Yeah. Look at it. The he's profile got, especially, he's got like a eagle beak uh, thing going on. He's got yeah. the eagle beak. He's got like giant Dumbo ears. He's yeah. got like a weird smushed that face. That sit really low on his head too. Like yeah, a, his yeah. hair is like all out of proportion. It's very like weird. Like Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, baby Yoda. So this is how the article starts. And this is all quote, quote for quote. Dallas pathologist Elizabeth Peacock was examining the body of Mary Pratt, age 33, a prostitute who had been shot in the head the night before, December 12th, 1990. Peacock was not... Peacock. <laughs> I don't know, your name's throwing me off. Yeah. It's kind of a funny sounding name. Peacock. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a child. I'm sorry. All right. Uh, Peacock was not prepared for what she found when she. Yes, she, that's exactly what she said. 
<laughs> she was not prepared for what she found when she opened the eyelids. Pratt's eyeballs were gone, removed with such precision that it appeared when the lids were shut as if they were still in the victim's head. So this nice. guy not only knew how to precisely remove the eyeballs, he knew how to make it look like they were still in the person's head. That's yeah. mortifying. What a guy. To the fact that the person doing the autopsy didn't even know the eyes were missing until they went to inspect it. <laughs> so, disturbing. Okay, oh, continuing on with the article here. It was the first time she'd ever seen anything like it, but it would not be the last. This form of mutilation would become the signature of a monster. The press dubbed him the eyeball killer for obvious reasons. <laughs> the creep had a name. Two months later, yes. Two months later, another Dallas pathologist examined a murdered prostitute. Susan Peterson, age 27, had the same startling experience of finding empty space where the eyeball should have been. I detect a trend. I do too, Hugh. <laughs> Continue on to find out more. Pratt's body had been dumped at the side of a road on the outskirts of town. Peterson's was found about a mile away, also in clear sight. Police speculated that the person responsible wanted people to see his handiwork. And he was proud of what he did to these poor women. I mean, yeah. okay, so obviously there's a trend here. These women were prostitutes. They were young prostitutes. He had some sort of grudge against these women. Maybe not them personally, but obviously their line of work. Maybe he couldn't get a woman and, you know, he sought his opportunity. And he seemed to have a problem with their eyes. Yeah. Uh, on March 19th, 1991, the body of a third prostitute, Shirley Williams, age 45, was found on the road in full view of an elementary school. That's bad. Yeah. That's bad. Uh, like the others, she had been shot in the head and her eyeballs were gone. But the killer was sloppier this time. There were cuts around the eyes, including one large gash that contained the tip of an X-Acto blade. X-Acto blade. You bet. <laughs> At first, when I read that, I was like, exacto. So exacto. I wanted to correct me. Exacto. Yeah. exacto <laughs> Those are those little scalpel-like deals that I know I yeah. used to have have one for making models when I was young. Yeah, we used those when we were in uh, like junior high, too, for like dissecting right. things in science. All sorts of good things. Ugh. All right. News of the mutilation murders spread, sparking a wildfire of tips people sure they knew who committed the crimes. Among these was Veronica Rodriguez, age 26. She said she not only knew the killer's identity, but that she witnessed Pratt's murder. Okay, first off, that's good that she knows who it is, but why didn't she come forward sooner? She could have saved some of the other people's lives. Yeah. Bitch. <laughs> she would have told her pimp or something. Yeah, I mean, what the heck? Maybe she had a grudge against the other woman, so she didn't care any. Right. She just wanted her, her five seconds of fame. Rodriguez... Get rid of the competition. Also yeah. a prostitute, so there, confirmed it. Was well known by the police. Drugs had fried her brain, and she lied and was incoherent much of the time, wrote John Matthews, a, de a detective on the case. In the, quote-unquote, The Eyeball Killer, a book co-authored with Christine Wicker. Rodriguez was so flaky that no one believed her horror story of how she and Pratt had gone off with a stranger for a threesome in a South Dallas field. Okay, all right, I see where this is going. <laughs> Rodriguez recalled that the man became violent and hit her in the head with a gun, briefly knocking her out. She said she came to just in time to see the man shoot Pratt, and she bolted, yep, and she bolted to the closest house where the occupant, truck driver Axton Schindler, let her in. Hmm. Uh, 
And it has pictures. This is sad because it has pictures of each of the victims, right. like in their prime, not not their death pictures. It actually shows you know them and while they were alive. And it's sad. I mean, regardless of what people do as a profession, they're still human beings. And this guy clearly had no regard for human life. That he would just completely. It's kind of like a second Jack. I don't want to put it in yeah, the same it seems category, like he had but Jack the Ripper. Some, yeah. Yeah, he had, a he had problem something. with for some reason. So. Yeah, whatever that might be. Let's carry yeah. on. Maybe we'll find out. Police started probing Schindler's background on the chance that in her drug addled, addled, drug addled, addled, yeah, addled. How was that? In her drug addled state, Rodriguez had scrambled some details and mistook the attacker for her savior. What? Okay. They wanted to pin it on the guy whose house she ran to. Oh, what a guy! What a woman! <laughs> She's a woman, I think. Yeah. <laughs> they found nothing except one possible clue. The house where Schindler was living belonged to another man, Charles Albright, 57, a former high school science teacher who owned a few pieces of property around Dallas. So he's a little, I don't want to say wealthy, but he had, you know, he lived comfortably. Two were near the dumping grounds for the dead prostitutes. There's a hint. More evidence soon came from Brenda White, age 37, a 20-year veteran of the streets. You guys know what that is? She was also a prostitute. <laughs> a retired prostitute. White said that one of her clients had tried to kill her, and she got away only because she had a can of mace. Thank God. Rodriguez and White described the attacker as middle-aged with salt and pepper hair. That fits the description of the picture they showed of him. He was a creep. Ugh. Albright fit the description. Police started looking into his background and learned he was the adopted son of Fred and Del Albright, a Dallas grocer and his stay-at-home wife. Del Albright was devoted and very strict. She nurtured the child's natural talents with piano, art, and language lessons. Among these enrichment activities was a craft that psychologists would later blame for Albright's ghoulish obsession with eyeballs. Uh, Hugh, you're going to go into this deeper <laughs> with your article. Um, goody. In 1944, Del Albright enrolled her son in a mail-order taxidermy course. <laughs> Through this, uh, he knew everything about the anatomy. I don't know how he would know it about humans, but still, learning the anatomy of a creature, he had familiarity with the eyeballs. Through this, he learned how to pop an eye out of its socket without damaging the surrounding tissues. The family budget could not afford expensive glass eyes for the stuffed animals. Charlie's creations were finished with black buttons sewn over the sockets. Oh, I thought they were going to say, like, he improvised with, like, human yeah. eyeballs or something. Or I thought real were... animal real animal eyeballs or something. Yeah. Like, he kept the eyeballs in or he replaced yeah. them with something else. Ugh, gross. Yeah, and now they're, they're showing a picture of that Veronica Rodriguez, the one who apparently witnessed the shooting of yeah. her co-worker, Pratt. She, uh... Yeah, she doesn't look quite with it. <laughs> No. She looks totally disoriented in this like picture. Like a vacant look on her face. Like there's nothing. What? Nothing behind <laughs> her eyes at all. That's just my Yeah, opinion. no pun intended. Right. <laughs> Charlie was a bright child who appeared to have a shining future, but as he grew older, a dark side emerged. By the late 1980s, Albright had a long criminal history, including child molestation and no job. That's great. So he turned his no job into child molestation. What a prick. Total yeah. creep. Total creep, creep, creep. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I go on so many tangents about child pedophile creeps. 
that they make There's me sick. So many of them these days. It's <sighs> yeah, sick. it's gross. Like yeah. I'm very protective of my kids for an obvious reason because people like this exist. Uh, he lived in one of the houses left to him by his parents and had a common law wife who supported him. That's nice. He sometimes allowed acquaintances like Schindler to stay at one of the homes he inherited. White and Rodriguez picked Albright's picture out of a photo lineup. Police arrested him at his home on March 22, 1991. Searches of Albright's property turned up hints, like stashes of guns and exacto knives and collections of true crime books, but no strong links to the killings. Dun, dun, dun. And we're going to continue. Hold on to your panties, everybody. We're going in more. <laughs> Hair from a squirrel's tail became a key part of the case against him. Police located the field where Williams was murdered and found her coat. They recovered squirrel hairs from the coat and matched them to the strands found on the vacuum at Albright's home. Mm. Oh, it's getting intense. Investigators believe that both killer and victim picked up squirrel hairs at the scene. Albright was charged with four murders, including one dating back to 1988, but went to trial just for Williams' death. Because that's obviously the one he was linked to clearly by DNA evidence. Right. But they speculate, obviously, he murdered the other ones because it's the same method of removing the eyeballs. And he had an obsession with taxidermy. So that was the one where uh, Williams was the one where he left, like, gashes around her eyes and stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. The prosecution's case was built entirely on circumstantial evidence, hair samples, and the testimony of prostitutes. Still, on December 18th, the Fury found all... The Fury? The jury! <laughs> <laughs> ah! These letters, like, turned upside down for me. I'm sorry, everybody. Yeah. The jury I the found... Fury. Yeah. I the Fury jury. <laughs> Still, on December 18th, the jury found Albright guilty of William's murder, which meant a life sentence. Good God. Thank you. Keep the creep in prison. Yep. There will be, a, hopefully, a lot less eye eyeless women out there. Now 84, he remains confined to a psychiatric hospital, still insisting that he killed no one and never touched a human eyeball. Just animal eyeballs. <laughs> On to you, Hugh. <laughs> Alrighty. All right. Now, this next article, for all you folks out there, this one comes from Ranker.com, and it's written by Amanda Sedlick Hevener. And mm. it's messed up things about the Texas eyeball killer's relationship with his mother. This is something uh. we're all going to jump right into here. In 1991, Dallas authorities convicted Charles Albright, also known as the Texas Eyeball Killer, for the murder of Shirley Williams. Investigators suspect he killed two other women, Mary Lou Pratt and Susan Peterson, between 1990 and 1991. Albright was born in 1933, and Fred and Del Albright, it just says that, and Fred and Del. <laughs> it doesn't okay. say Fred and Del Albright, which would be his parents, who lived mm -hmm. in Amarillo, Texas adopted him as an infant. Fred Albright owned a grocery store and his wife was a teacher. Now, doesn't that contradict the last article that said she was a stay-at-home mom? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What the hell? Okay, maybe, she, maybe she taught him his taxidermy ways. <laughs> <laughs> that just takes know. it to a whole new level. <laughs> People out there will just have to disseminate for themselves. Good Lord. Uh, Del yeah. Albright abused Charles both psychologically and physically when he was a child, locking mm -hmm. him in dark rooms and hitting him for minor offenses like spilling milk. What she a good mom. <laughs> she also <laughs> taught him taxidermy, which led yep. to his obsession with eyes. 
He cut out the eyes of the women he allegedly killed, all of whom were sex workers, a.k.a. prostitutes, a.k.a. hookers. Believing that his birth mother was a prostitute, she was actually a nurse. Boy, Mm -hmm. she's got plenty of uh, occupations here. I know. She's a nurse, a teacher, and a homemaker. Which one is it, damn it? (laughs) Yeah, what is it? Albright preyed on these women after his adoptive mother died. As of August 2017, Albright is serving out his life term in Lubbock, Texas, at the John Montford Psychiatric Unit. You know, interesting enough, Lubbock isn't that far from me. I could probably go there and do an interview with a psycho. Do it. Del taught her adoptive son taxidermy when he was a child, showing Albright how to use the tools to properly prepare and stop the dead animal for display. However, she refused to pay for the standard glass taxidermy eyes that made the animals look truly alive. Instead, (laughs) she forced him to use buttons and marbles. Yeah, I was going to say, you could just use marbles. Yeah, the little marbles <laughs> with the weird squiggly thing in there. That <laughs> the tiger real. eye ones. That's yeah. terrifying. <laughs> Sometimes she would make him sew the eyes shut so the animals looked like they were blind. <laughs> Albright later removed the eyes of his victims. Okay. And mm. they showed, like, the happy family picture, which doesn't look real happy there. <laughs> Del physically abused her son throughout his childhood. If Albright spilled milk, she would spank him. She also went beyond spanking on some occasions, such as tying him to his bed when he refused to take a nap. Other times, it was psychological. When Albright was around a year old, he chewed on her tape measure. In response, she locked him in a room with the lights out, making him sit in the dark. He was a baby. He was only one year old. Yeah, and then they show a picture of his profile with that eagle beak thing going on. Mm-hmm. Okay, for reasons that remain unknown, Albright's mother dressed him in girls' clothing when he was a child. She made him <laughs> wear dresses and forced him to play with dolls, especially if his aunt was visiting. Okay. Oh my and God! It kind of ties into other things <laughs> that are going on in today's world, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, just a little their bit. Sons to be daughters and daughters to be sons and all sorts. Yeah, of I things. mean, if the kid wants to, let them, but don't force them to do anything. Yeah, kids are weird. kids. Let them be who they want to be. Yeah. But uh, don't force your kids to do any anything like that because you're at that young of an age, you're traumatizing them. You're you're traumatizing these poor kids' brains, and that's going to have an impact. You know, obviously, it had an impact on this this guy i'm gonna say poor guy because i feel bad for him you know i mean if his mother wouldn't have done this to him maybe he wouldn't have turned out the way he did and ended up brutally murdering these poor women you know so thank you for that hugh i just had to put in my two cents it was bothering me (laughs) while albright was a 16 year old freshman at north texas state college he became involved in a student burglary rig he and several of his classmates broke into local stores and stole merchandise, some of which authorities found in his dorm room. He claimed that he hadn't stolen anything and was merely holding on to it for his friends. They didn't believe him and probably beat his ass. Oh, <laughs> uh, probably prosecuted Albright for the crimes. Sorry, yeah. I just read that. Uh, <laughs> when his mother caught wind of his arrest, she went around to the store owners and made him put on a skirt. Uh, offered to reimburse them for what he'd stolen. At his sentencing, she tried to stand in as his lawyer and even told the judge that she'd serve as prison time for him. Jeez. Yeah, throw her in prison. Way to step up. 
Well, yeah, well, she kind of deserves it. She caused this monster. Yeah. At least that's my he, opinion on it. He served six months of a two-year term in jail. And it shows him as a kid with what looks like some sort of scout hat on or something. Mm -hmm. I don't even want to think about that. Del Albright was a teacher, so she knew the proper ways to push her son through school. With her after-school tutoring sessions, Albright graduated from high school when he was 15. However, though she paid attention to what he was doing in school, she overlooked his criminal behavior. When he was mm -hmm. 13, Texas authorities arrested Albright for aggravated assault. Allegedly, Albright was also a skilled petty thief. <laughs> his mother Great. chauffeured him on his dates and instructed him not to try anything untoward. This is a totally messed up relationship with his Yeah, brother. demented. Yeah. Dell chauffeured Albright around on dates, lectured her son not to try anything untoward, as I just mentioned a minute ago, with the girls he went out with. She even called his date's parents to tell them her son would behave himself. <laughs> she, God. She was the only person who took him on these dates. She didn't let his father or even girls' parents drive them around. All right. Del Little helicopter obsessed. mom there. <laughs> yeah. Obsessed with cleanliness to the point of ensuring that as a child, Albright stayed clean. She insisted he drink only goat's milk from the animals that lived in their backyard. She thought that dog poop contained polio virus, so to keep Albright from touching it, she took him to the polio ward at the local hospital. There, she made what? him stare at people in iron lungs to reinforce a fear of dog feces. Okay. Del also changed Albright's clothing several times a day to keep him from getting dirty. Psycho! Yeah, there we go. <laughs> like to a whole new level of psycho. Jesus. Del told Albright two different stories about his birth mother. In the first, Del claimed that the woman was a law student who married a classmate. Since both were young, the woman's father insisted that she give the baby up for adoption. In the other tale, Albright's mother was a prostitute. The defense attorney for Albright's murder case discovered that neither of these stories was true. His birth mother was actually a nurse. Hmm. Albright attended Arkansas State Teachers College after spending six months in prison on robbery charges. While there, his classmates remember the odd decorations he used as a prank, cutouts of a girl's almond-shaped eyes. Ugh. Albright had clipped out the pictures of his, of his friends, ex-girlfriend's eyes, and plastered them all over the dorm room walls, ceiling, and even in the men's bathroom. Oh, Psychologists God. theorized the connection between Albright's unusual interest in eyes and his taxidermy experiences as a child. Mm-hmm. Very strange. Albright's Ugh. parents gave him a gun at a young age and taught him how to shoot. He used to use the gun to kill a number of small animals in the neighborhood. His mother supported the hobby and even helped him taxidermy the animals he brought home. It doesn't say if they were wild animals or just like the neighbor's cat. Domestic know? animals, yeah. yeah. Great. Del told <laughs> her son all about his father's proclivities, which included grabbing at his wife every time he caught her standing around in nothing but a bra and undergarments. Okay. According to her, this made Fred greedy about sex, and she wanted her son not to grow up to be the same way. Mm. He, all right. When Albright was a boy, he enjoyed escaping his parents' yard whenever he could. His mother wound up tying him to their porch so that he couldn't go far. Prior what? to this, he went beyond the fence every chance he got. Even yeah. when he was too little, too little to work the gate. 
Albright managed to charm the people passing by into lifting him over the wooden walls to freedom. Aww. This poor Albright's kid. Childhood, oh my God. childhood friends and neighbors remember him as a smart boy who excelled at many different things. Under Dell's strict tutelage, Albright learned to speak three languages in addition to English. <laughs> tutelage? Tutelage. Is that actually in there? Or did you make that word up? Uh, under Dell's, <laughs> yeah, under yeah. Dell's strict tutelage. <laughs> I've never heard that word before. T u t e l a g e. Tutelage. <laughs> tutelage. <laughs> Albright learned to speak three languages in addition to English, paint pictures, and play the piano. He was also a good athlete who enjoyed football and baseball. With Dell's academic encouragement, Albright graduated from high school two grades ahead. So cool. See, it seemed like when he was in school, he had a lot going for him. He was intelligent. Obviously, he graduated early. Yeah. He was in sports. Yeah. Because this woman just completely ruined this kid from a very young age. Yeah, a lot of the things she did leads you to believe she was psycho. Just a little. Hence the, (laughs) just about every time, you know, she read something about Uh, her. mm -hmm. I don't know. Pretty weird. Pretty strange. Supposedly, he's in Lubbock, locked up, claiming he's innocent. I mean... I just just may go over there and have a talking to with him. He's not innocent. He's guilty. It's obvious. DNA proof already have confirmed that he is the murderer, but... While you were reading your part, it, it put so many like like pieces together where the stories that his adoptive mom, Del, the psycho bitch, uh, was telling him about his birth mother. Obviously, he probably was curious why his parents gave him up for adoption. And if he was being told that his birth mother was, you know, in one version was a prostitute, maybe that's where the resentment from po- prostitutes came from. He's like, oh, well, she didn't love me, you know. She's, you know, garbage. These women are garbage, too. So, or maybe he also took out his resentment towards Dell on these innocent women and figured, oh, because they're in this line of profession, nobody will miss them. So that's probably why he chose them as his victims. But there's just so many things leading up to this psychosis in this guy's brain that it's not just one thing that caused it. I mean... Reading through these articles, there's so many things that caused it, and it's devastating. Hmm. You know, this woman is a horrible mother. She should have never been given the right to adopt him as a baby because she corrupted him horribly. It's not to say that he wouldn't have turned out the same way if she wasn't his mother, but she had a huge. Probably Probably not, not. but she had a huge play in it. You know, I mean, locking a one-year-old locking them in a dark room basically scaring the crap out of them just for chewing on a tape dispenser it's a one-year-old it's a baby it's a baby come on people (laughs) i mean that's wrong and i mean he does deserve to be in prison he does deserve to be in there for life for what he did the crimes he committed those are inexcusable but at the same time you can kind of feel for the guy at the same time because of what he went through as a kid. You know, he's probably a broken person and that's thanks to his shitty adoptive mom, (laughs) Del. She should be put in a mental institution, if not prison as well, for the way she treated him. That's child abuse. Clearly, she would beat him. She would verbally and physically abuse him. So. Oh, she was cracking the whip too, because I mean, (sighs) if he graduated two years early in high school, 
Mm-hmm. You got to work pretty hard to get through that. So. Yeah. Yeah. So she was not only putting emotional and physical stress on him. She was just piling so much on this poor kid that you can kind of see how, you know, he was getting overloaded and he probably snapped. You know, everybody has a breaking point and he probably hit his breaking point once she passed. And it also could be, you've heard of Stockholm Syndrome, right? Where people sometimes identify with their abuser or their captor or it's usually when somebody is like kidnapped or abused they sometimes their brain switches gears kind of like a fight or flight response and they instead of viewing their captor or their abuser as the actual villain they view them as their savior so it, it's demented and yeah you, you can't relate to it until you experience it but at the same time that might be what's happening to him is once his mother was gone he missed her like he was grieving so much for her maybe he lashed out on all these other women as a way of trying to cope with his emotions because obviously he never had a normal relationship with his mom he didn't know how to cope with those relationship like with those emotions so there's just so many things we won't know no matter how many articles are written up on this guy i mean hey if you ever have an opportunity here you should definitely try and see if you can interview him because that would actually be really cool Maybe we could get another side to this story, you know, a part two. Of course, of course, you know, I'd take it totally seriously. Seriously, yes. Mm-hmm. I, I can tell. Okay. <laughs> well, that that about ends it for today, everybody. Um, if Hugh is ever able to go meet this guy, maybe we'll do a follow-up episode. But until then, that's all for today. Uh, we will be back next week with another fun episode for you, so stay tuned. And just another reminder, if you guys do listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to rate and review us on there, preferably five stars, because, you know, we love those five stars. It makes us feel all warm and tingly. Makes us feel (laughs) better than we are. Yeah. Like we're not killing dog shit. There it is. (laughs) If not, you know, whatever platform you listen to us on, if you're able to review or rate us on there, do it. (laughs) So. But yeah, if you can, that would mean a lot to us. We love our listeners. We like that you get, we want to interact with you guys and we like hearing your feedback. So if you're able to rate and review us, that would be much appreciated. Uh, We love the fact that you tough it out through these episodes. Yeah, we love the fact that you actually care. (laughs) (laughs) We care. So we want you to care too. And we're grateful for those who do. So anyways, thanks for uh, listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.